Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 126, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by executive producer David Herman and our guy Aiden Collins as we bring you the latest news from the ACHA and AAU college hockey. An eventful weekend. We'll get to him in a bit here, but we'll throw it around the room here. Fitzy is out tonight, once again, down in Huntsville. Busy week for him. Not a tough schedule, but it's an inconsistent schedule. You know, practice times and events, especially at the minor league level, they're always doing team events. So if you're joining us for the content we're hoping to get them back next week and we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on that we'll throw things over to our executive producer david herman first big big weekend in utica with the utica riggies rebrand for utica city fc kind of took a page out of the minor league baseball playbook calling ourselves the utica riggies after chicken riggies which is a local utica rome pasta dish i know collins had a little bit of difficulty understanding what a riggy actually was despite the fact that we very clearly copied from the wikipedia article in our explanation i say we being me uh copied from the wikipedia article in in the news article about it tough overtime loss to texas but it was uh, a lot of fun to see the boys wearing red instead of blue the photos they looked like manchester united that was like what my first thought of it and i feel like the way that the logo looked on the front it reminded me of the chevy logo on the front of the man U jerseys one of the guys actually as we did like some behind the scenes content did like a, a first look at the jerseys actually said that exact same thing so if you you go and check the ucfc socials you can see you can hear that exact comment funny enough next we'll throw things over to our, our resident villanova hockey expert aiden collins how are things going down there things have been good picked up the season two weeks ago was out last week played against duquesne which was fun big 8-4 win and got some uh some good playing time so always a good time to be with the boys on the ice first week of class for the last time ever which is a uh, a bit of a shock and uh i was like going through the senior fields this week i sent a text to the group chat i was like holy shit in five weeks i'm gonna be saying i played hockey at villanova like weird feeling watch salt burn last night great movie from a cinematography standpoint it was just shocking and it felt like the plot was being driven solely for the sake of being weird i'd recommend it but it's a it's another fine addition to the barry keegan playing a weird little guy cinematic universe so uh, if you've seen the Banshees of Sharon, another great Barry Keegan playing a weird little guy movie. I'm still waiting to check that out. What, what do you watch that on again? I f- I've had a lot of people talking about it. It's on my list. It's on Prime. I feel like that movie shouldn't be free and shouldn't be that easily accessible, especially to children. I went to watch the Barbie movie the other day on Amazon. I think it's on it's on Max, but you can you can, you know pay five dollars through amazon prime to watch it and i had no idea my family had amazon prime and we were watching movies on this the whole time somebody told me to log into the family account i go on on using the downstairs tv everyone in my family's got a profile except me they were keeping me in the dark i had no idea i could be watching movies on amazon prime and i just found this out the other day so i will be watching saltburn there's like 17 of you guys in that house how did you not know <laughs> I, they were keeping me off of it everybody wanted their own profile so i mean i've had my own profile or actually i have a, a joint profile with my brother riley and i we, we share one on netflix so i was stuck i was logging on expecting there to be like one or two profiles nope everybody had one so everyone's using it. So I got to take advantage of that in the next coming days. But solid weekend for the Murphy family. Talk about great events in Murphy family history. My older brother, Kevin, proposed to his longtime girlfriend, Ariel, which was great. And we got to they did the proposal down in Boston and then we surprised them in Portland. We did dinner. We went out, enjoyed the night, which was great. And then got back to the hotel room just in time to watch the second half of the Liberty 
Syracuse series, which was great watching them at midnight. We coordinated a Zoom call and I was sharing screenshots with you guys. It was just so fun. I think at the the peak of it, we had 15 former Syracuse hockey players on a Zoom call on a Google Meet. Sorry, on a Google Meet. And Ford Hatchet was doing the screen sharing from ESPN Plus. So really cool to watch it with everybody in real time. We, we started off, everybody was watching it on their own computer. And then we realized that some of us were a good like 45 seconds faster than the rest of us. So we did the screen sharing and it worked out a little bit choppy to watch, but all in all, it was a lot of fun. Everyone was pretty proud of the way they played. Liberty is a really good team, high flying team. That Calendite kid can rip the puck. He was the difference. It seemed like this weekend, he was probably the first star of the weekend and the second star of the weekend might be the officiating crew. And Herm, you were watching the game as well, but I don't know if it's my Syracuse ties that everybody loves to make jokes about how bad the officiating is down there. And I feel like we've watched a decent amount of games on ESPN plus this year. And, you know, sometimes there's some iffy calls, but Cuse got up two to one in that first period. At the end of the first period, there was a, a phantom tripping call on Sam Hutchinson for just a box body check if anything it might have been a cross check it was the weirdest tripping call i've ever seen liberty comes back they score on the power play i think they scored three power play goals in the second period and it's five to two at the end of two flip one of a dime in a period and it just never felt like Cuse got a fair shot there it was really looking forward to that one and they made a, a game out of it I think the final was seven to four but it, it was a lot of fun to watch and there were some bad calls that went against Liberty too but I, I just wish we got a, an even officiated game there kind of felt like Kirk Handy might have hit the Buffalo Wild Wings button on the way to the locker room it did have that feeling it, it really did and they it was just a completely different game in that second period but also too we, we had with like six minutes to go in the first period on on Friday night, you had Lucas Skolnick come in and, and just a textbook hitting from behind penalty on Fultz for Liberty. That starts a, a mini line brawl. We had two Liberty guys and two Syracuse guys get game misconducts for roughing. Each team tweeted out that it was a roughing penalty and that they were all kicked out, which I've never seen before. And then I thought maybe it's like an ACHA loophole where you get kicked out for roughing so you don't get suspended the game for fighting. Nope, they were all suspended in the second game too. And it was <laughs> pretty cool. They The fans in Lynchburg had signs that said like free 22 and I forget the other Liberty players name but Syracuse can hang their heads high I really hope they get a chance to go down to Liberty next season and hopefully get another shot at them because I think they're a young team and they they handled that environment really well this weekend I mean I was blown away by uh, by that Cuse team I that was not the same Cuse team that we played last year big turnaround for them yeah they didn't have me I, stinking it up in the D zone <laughs> Yeah, but I look forward to seeing hopefully Cuse get back up there like they used to be. The first ACHA video I ever saw was not the Liberty locker room video. It was Liberty versus Syracuse hockey highlights. And I thought that LaHaye was Cuse's arena at first for like the first five minutes because he couldn't see the logo on the ice. I was like, damn, I want to go to Cuse. And that's why I filled out a recruiting form. Anyways, but you show up on campus and the rink looks completely different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cuse is on a tough stretch because they they got swept by URI two weekends ago. They weren't able to get one in at Liberty, and then they're going to go play Niagara this weekend, another team in the, in the top ten rankings. So they have their work cut out for them here in the second half of the season. But getting into the action, the lead story here: Kentucky takes care of business. It was our game of the week. The rest of the crew went with the Cats. I was feeling optimistic. I went with Louisville. Honestly, I, I was feeling pretty good about it at the end of the first period on Friday night. Louisville had the one nothing lead in that one, but it was Kentucky who came back and then took the 
the lead, a, a very strong third period. Heading into the third period, it looked like Louisville was going to come away with it, but we finally saw that Kentucky team that the rest of the country has seen in that third period on Friday night. A sold-out crowd in Louisville. They went home upset, and then it was Kentucky getting the job done with a convincing 7-1 to win on Saturday night to take the battle of the barrel. The barrel is staying in Lexington, Kentucky for another year. Really great weekend of hockey down in Kentucky. Two sold-out barns on back-to-back nights, and it's the Cats coming away with the victory early on Sunday morning. I want the entire ACHA world to know that I advocated fiercely, nice little debate before last week's episode as to whether the Friday game or the Saturday game should have been the game of the week. I was team Saturday. Murph was team Friday because he was convinced that Louisville was going to win. My my rebuttal, and I think everyone listening will agree with this, is I said the more important game is game two because that's going to decide the series. I said if that series goes back to Lexington, there's no shot Louisville is winning it. To win in that barn twice in one year would be a, a tall task. And I was like I said, I was feeling very confident and had it at the start of that third period, and we saw a, a very different Kentucky team that tied that game and then took the lead late and, and never looked back the rest of the weekend. And it was a great showing. And I think maybe a lot of who around us being in Lexington, Kentucky that first time around. It was the only game of the weekend. It was early in the season. Louisville stole one. They came in and they stole one. They got great goaltending. They silenced the crowd early. There was a lot of anticipation, a lot of built-up anticipation that didn't really come out from the crowd until like five minutes left when they made it a 2-1 game. And I think this was a very different Kentucky team that closed out this series. I'm very curious to know what ticket prices were on this one too. $20. They were they were $5 cheaper this time around. So the fans in Lexington got a, a little bit of a discount i saw i think members of the men's basketball team were in attendance too and they were getting the crowd fired up and again tim kalinowski will agree with me but when you play your rival i think you're better off wearing your traditional jerseys and sure enough kentucky goes with the traditional white home jerseys and they got the job done they weren't wearing those atrocious white shells that we saw the first time around i think there's no chance tp was going to let those see the light of day against louisville again Herm, you're, you're shaking your head. You think he should have doubled down and wore him again in game three? No, I just don't think they're as atrocious as, as you make them out to be. I say atrocious because the other three jerseys in their set are so good. Not atrocious. I will take that back, but not not their best. Not their best. So I was glad to see him in the traditional blue and white with the checkerboard to close things out. Relatively atrocious. So, Herm, I mean, we can we can wait for the hot seat or we can answer it now. I feel like the story of Kentucky hockey is they just seem to do better when the, the spotlight is away from them. Every year, it seemed like we were giving them a lot of attention. And then the comments would say something like, you know, this team hasn't even got a nationals again. And then we stop talking about them and they make nationals. And then, you know, we mentioned that they're going to nationals and then they don't do well at nationals. And then we go to Kentucky and they don't play well in Kentucky. And then, you know, our guy uh, on the broadcast, Gage Odell, was just giving us a hard time because it seemed seems like the stats are adding up against us we're gonna play the clip right now i happened to be up at two o'clock in the morning and watching this broadcast live i was kind of like half paying attention because it was 6-1 at this point and i heard hockey house and i like my brain flipped on i was like excuse me and i i, I wind up rewinding the broadcast because i'm like oh Oh, no. So we're going to roll that clip right now. But anyway, I'm starting to think Hockey House is a curse. They told us to play Pump It Up two years ago when we played Louisville, and we lost. They were here in September when we played Louisville, and we lost. They weren't here yesterday. They weren't here today. And look what happened. They weren't even here last year, and we went on a three-game sweep. So, Hockey House, if you're listening, I love you. Stop asking us to do stuff. 
You're a curse. <laughs> Leave us alone. I say in jest. Love the podcast. Just the Hockey House curse is real, ladies and gentlemen. It sounded really bad at first. And I was like, whoa, Gage, OG follower of the show, throwing shots at the Hockey House pod. But I think you can kind of tell in his tone of voice that after he said what he said, he was like, okay, I think that was a little too harsh. And he gave some love to us at the end there. Yeah, it's like the softest of hot seats. We're, we're on like warm seat at this point. We have to throw him on the hot seat to acknowledge that we heard what he said. I think that I think that's fair. Going back to actually, I want to rewind even one more weekend, though, because there was some action that we missed that I think is worth highlighting because I saw this on my social media feed. Herm sent the link to the article that the Plymouth Independent wrote on this team, and that sparked me to go down a rabbit hole, and I found so much more great content. I want to give a program spotlight to the boys at Bridgewater State because they are having a great year. They actually just got back from a trip to California. They play in ACHA M2. They're making the headlines already in 2024. They kicked off the semester, trip to California. They played Santa Barbara and Cal State Northridge, came away with two victories there. They actually, before they flew back, they went to a Pepperdine basketball game, and the reason I know this is because when I was looking for the scores from the games out in California, I couldn't find a final score graphic. But what I did find was a video of the Bridgewater State hockey team dressed as the Pepperdine student section, decked out in navy blue shirts with Pepperdine across the chest, cheering on the Pepperdine men's basketball team in their 93-78 to win over Pacific. At the end of the game, head coach Lorenzo Ramar came over to them and thanked them for their support during the game. And then the rest of the team came over and was jumping up and down, dapping them up in front of them. The social media team went as far as posting a video and tagging the Bridgewater State hockey team and saying that they have 20 new fans tonight. And it was just like a so such such an ACHA story, just such like a hockey guy story. This reminds me of when we interviewed Cam Moore from Penn State Harrisburg, and he talked about how they became diehard UNLV fans because they watched the UNLV Liberty game before they played Liberty. And it's just so great. Like they go out to California. They're probably looking for something to do at, at night before they're heading out. And they go to the Pepperdine men's basketball game. And this gym, like one side of the gym is empty. And so they must have been making a ton of noise cheering. And I don't know if they were given the shirts. I don't know if they bought the shirts, but they're decked out. And they got a thank you from the men's basketball team, which was great. Then they had flight problems on the way home. I believe they got stuck in Denver. I saw a social media post about this and I I couldn't find it when I was going back to do the notes, but they got stranded in Denver on the way home and had to spend a night there or something because their their flight got canceled and they they couldn't find a new one. They finally make it back. And then the Plymouth Independent newspaper in Massachusetts wrote an article about the Mayflower unit. They have six players on this Bridgewater State team from Plymouth, Massachusetts. Their nickname is the Mayflower unit the head coach Mike Monahan said whenever we have a power play we send out our Mayflower unit uh, there are leaders out there so awesome stuff I also love that the Plymouth Independent not only highlighted the six kids from Plymouth Massachusetts playing on the Bridgewater State ACHA team but they also at the bottom of the article highlighted a bunch of other guys playing college hockey NCAA Division 1 Division 3 and ACHA so really cool basically they were talking about like hey there's a lot of kids from Plymouth Massachusetts on the team which was really cool so I want to give the Bears a shout out Bridgewater State actually the first team I ever saw play ACHA hockey. I went down and watched my older brother Joe when he played ACHA M2 at Merrimack. We went down to Bridgewater State, Bridgewater Arena, and we saw them play. So uh, a little shout out for the Bears there. Keep it up in 2024. Another team that is off to a hot start in 2024 is Midland. The Warriors 
improved to 21-0-2. They got three points in the trip to Minot, a win and a tie. The Warriors have come a very long way since their first season in the ACHA when they didn't even register a win in their first year in 2014. A complete flip. 10 years as a program here coming up on, and it's just pretty cool to see. They've improved to 21-0-2. They have not lost in regulation. Of course, they have, I believe, a shootout loss, which does not really count in the ACHA. So hoping they can keep it up, and they are going to need to make some noise in the second half here as we come down the stretch because we all know who's going to be there at the end of the day when it comes time to crown a national champion, and certainly the Liberty Flames will be in that conversation looking to spoil the party for Midland. I want to give a shout out to the fans in Arkansas, a record-breaking crowd on Friday night watched as Arkansas took on Mizzou in ACHA M3 action. 1,038 fans packed into the Jones Center in Springdale, Arkansas, which I hear is not on campus, but it is about as close to campus as you can get without being on campus. So they packed the barn on Friday night. SEC matchup, two teams making the jump to ACHA M2 next season, and this one did not disappoint. Arkansas was repping the ugly Christmas sweaters because I found out through some Instagram comments that they had ordered them ahead of time, but the school didn't give them permission at the end of the semester to wear them. So they ended up wearing them in the second semester to kick things off. Packed crowd. The final score in this one was six to four. Mizzou got the victory. Arkansas responds on Saturday with an eight five win in front of 500 fans. Just a really cool weekend for ACHA hockey. And I wanted to compare some notes here and I was, I was thinking and I was like I wonder like I wonder if there's any other crowds that this was bigger than in NCAA hockey and first one on the list was LIU versus Stonehill because I had seen the final score in that one and I didn't know if it was at LIU or Stonehill but I went and checked and Stonehill made the trip to LIU and they played in front of 250 fans on Friday night RIT Robert Morris had 592 fans on Friday night Mercyhurst Bentley had 879 and Brown St. Lawrence had 914 so the fact that this ACHA Division Three crowd in Arkansas of all places outdrew four NCAA games this weekend is pretty impressive. And I did throw an asterisk on the Bentley crowd and the LIU crowd because classes don't start until Monday. Not to say that the LIU crowd probably would have been much bigger if the students were on campus. I did want to acknowledge that because Bentley does play on campus, so I'm sure they would have had some students to surpass the Arkansas crowd. And I made sure to include it in the clip. They scored two goals in a span of about 15 seconds to to open up that game they score the first goal the place erupts they drop the puck and they start doing the i think it's called the hog chant or something like that where they throw their hands up and do it and it the whooping suey yeah they were doing that after the goal and as they're doing it they scored again and the place goes even more nuts so i wanted to make sure that was included but pretty cool from them the sec teams always get a lot of love in the acha but it, it's cool love it when they do something besides have cool jerseys and arkansas had the cool jerseys for this one on friday night but they also backed it up with a great performance and they followed it up by getting a, a big win in response on saturday afternoon so i want to make sure we give them a shout out and there is nothing like beating your rivals just ask the girls at michigan state they handed michigan their first loss of the season the number 12 spartans spoiled the wolverines bid at a perfect season with a 3-2 win in traverse city over the number four team in the country a team that honestly i don't know if we've talked a whole lot about but they do get a lot of attention in women's acha action we all know the state of michigan does not have any ncaa division one women's high Hockey teams, the lone NCAA team in the state 
is the Adrian College women's team in NCAA Division Three. Great victory for hockey in the state of Michigan. That We have two of the top women's teams in the ACHA going head-to-head, and it's Michigan State spoiling the party, handing the Wolverines their first loss. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I made sure we put them as the cover of the final score graphic the next day because this is a big one and and we've talked about how good of a season Michigan is having and I I can only imagine how that loss must, must sting twice as much that it came to the Spartans. We'll keep with the rivalry here. No surprise here. Oregon swept Washington with a pair of 5-1 wins in Bend, Oregon, the outdoor venue this weekend. Want to give a shout out to Charlie Marr and the boys at Oregon for taking over the Instagram story on Friday to give us a behind-the-scenes look at the festivities. But it was not the hockey they were talking about. It was the jerseys that caught the eye of everyone. I, I put here on the notes that the internet woke up from a coma and forgot the Oregon Ducks team existed because they have had these jerseys since I want to say 2015 and they went viral once again amazing photos from Sydney Becker they had an ice storm in Eugene Oregon at the early parts of the week and it actually led to the outdoor jerseys getting delayed so they went and did a photo shoot in the current jerseys and I think people thought they were doing special outdoor event game jerseys but Nonetheless, always cool when you're getting spit and chiclets, Bleacher Report. We even had ESPN go as far and repost the photos of the jerseys, which was really cool to see. It was unbelievable, too, because like the ice storm was so bad. And, and listen, we hope everyone is doing OK. I'm sure there was power out all over the place. But the scene of them skating in front of the football stadium is so cool. Like something that not many schools have the opportunity to do. So uh, amazing photos from that. Let's see what else we have on the list. Oh, we had a split this weekend. Two of the top teams in ACHA women's two going toe to toe. Assiniboine with the upset over Sioux. Herm, is this is this an upset if it, we got two of the top teams going together? Or is it just anytime someone beats the Sioux, we'll, we'll call it an upset? Anytime someone beats the Sioux. Yeah, I, I agree with that one there. Assiniboine, the other Canadian school in ACHA women's two out in Western Canada, making the trip to Ontario to play Sioux College and, and coming away with a win. Could be a potential national championship game preview down the road. Big storyline in the ACHA, though, this weekend was the Battle of the Bling. That's what I'm calling this one. We had a, a good matchup between Colorado and Missouri State. They were trading Shadur Sanders celebrations in an exciting weekend of ACHA M1 action in Springfield, Missouri. It was Blake Blevins who scored with 2.30 to go on Friday night to tie the game for Colorado. He did the Shadur Sanders watch Selly in front of the packed house. It swung the momentum in their favor because Colorado scored a minute later and then scored an empty netter to win six to four and then missouri state responded with a seven four win on saturday but it was jake wilthop who responded with a se- the watch selly of his own making it five nothing to go with 10 minutes left in the third he did the watch selly in front of the colorado bench but the buffs didn't go out down without a fight it was a final of seven to four so plenty of goal scoring in the final 10 minutes there this caught the attention of a lot of people in the hockey world it caught the attention of shader sanders himself who i think has like i can't remember what I, the screenshot was but oh well over a million followers on Instagram. He reposted the Hockey House post, which I did not have that on my bingo board this season, but always always good to see Shadir Sanders supporting the pod, but really cool. It reminds me of, was it Austin Matthews who did the Patrick Kane Selly when he was a rookie? They did it in the same game. They like traded celebrations. It was similar to that this weekend between Colorado and Missouri State and two teams that very much are in position to go to nationals this year, so we could see that matchup down the road. We'll get to that preview in a little bit. Great week 
weekend of hockey and any anytime we can get content from both games in a weekend series is is a win in our books and then speaking of content it's another day another michigan this weekend it was it, Herm, is it Baron Stibe or Baron Stibby? Western Canadian kid on Ohio. So Baron went for the Michigan in the 10-2 win over Toledo. The question is, is the Michigan getting old? And I honestly think it's just like, it's impressive how this goal has been around since the 90s when Mike Legg first did it. We've all seen the video. Just within a couple of years, it has just become so popular, which is crazy, crazy to think. The moment it got in Chell, it jumped the shark. I played Chell the other day. I haven't played in a really long time, but I didn't realize that they have a new controller. I forget what it's called. It's not skill stick, but it basically just lets you do the really hard things with the touch of a button. Kind of defeats the purpose, but for kids like my 12 year old brother who can now do the Michigan when he's playing NHL like those guys love it it is crazy how much it has taken off and it feels like every week we're talking about some kid whether it's AAU ACHA the NHL NCAA hockey like somebody is doing it every weekend Collins is he's on the live stream with us he's but he's uh he's mute because we got to figure out his audio but he's chiming in to say that the Michigan is getting old to every hockey player's uncle which I think is a great point John Tortorella is just punching air every day that he has to wake up and see one of those clips lastly in the weekend recap we had High Point who defeated Fordham for the program's first ever outdoor game it was the Panthers AAU D2 taking home the win with a 4-3 victory over Fordham who is an A AUD one both teams outfitted with great outdoor game jerseys I want to say like the Black Panther inspired look right like they they had the Panthers on the front and then the triangle design on the sleeves and the waist hem which was a good look and then you had Fordham going with the white outlook inspired by the Toronto Maple Leafs and Michigan from a couple years ago white helmets white jerseys white shells white socks really good look it had the New York City skyline on the bottom and it was just a really great look all in all great game for high point though so they they knocked it out of the park the photos looked great from this it looked like perfect weather i i can't really tell from the photos but it, it also looks like it might have been freezing i know it was really cold in the northeast this weekend and, and some windy windy chilly days so the players were bundled up though it looked like a great event nothing but uh you know you can't complain when an outdoor game is too cold right because that means the ice conditions are perfect so a great event and that was uh sunday afternoon at the englewood field club in englewood new jersey so, Herm, I want to do a little Nationals preview talk because I think this is a great thing that ACHA M1 does, and I would love to see this with some of the other leagues too because there's so much planning that goes involved in doing Nationals. So I think it's always nice this time of year to maybe just see who's in and who's out, who's on the fringe here. Maybe some teams start making their plans come March, but the ACHA tweeted out a thread the other day detailing the teams that would be going to Nationals if Nationals were today. And, of course, this was put out on January 14th, so things will have changed by the time you're hearing this, but always good to, to go over and, and, and talk things out. So the auto bids in ACHA M1 would be Adrian, UCO, Jamestown, Niagara, Indiana Tech, Westchester, IUP, and Oswego. So those are the teams that are in first place in their conference right now and would get the auto bid. And some of those teams will have playoff auto bids. Some of them will have regular season auto bids. And that is where you see some ranked teams often get bumped from the national tournament because of those unranked teams that end up winning their conference. So the first three teams out in this situation would be Oklahoma, who was sitting at 22 at the time of recording, Colorado at 23, 
and Colorado State at 24. But I would imagine we see Colorado move up in these rankings after a split with Missouri State on the road this weekend. We'll keep an eye out for that one. The number one seed in the tournament would, of course, be the Minot State Beavers. They would be facing off against the winner of Illinois State and Grand Valley, which we've seen that matchup a couple times already this season. And then you have number two, Adrian, taking on either number 15, Arizona, or number 18, Missouri State. That would be another really good Western matchup. Number three, UCO would take on the winner of 14 Pitt or Indiana Tech. Four, Jamestown taking on 13 Utah or number 20 Delaware. I imagine Utah will drop in these rankings. They lost to unranked GCU and GCU has had a couple of good wins recently here. So I wouldn't be surprised to move them up. Delaware got a big sweep this weekend over URI, a team that Herm, I, I know we're going to get to game of the week and they will be mentioned later on the road, but Delaware, a sneaky team that we really haven't talked about a lot this year. Completely has flown under our radar. And it, it's funny, I, I remember talking about it. It seemed like Delaware and URI were kind of always in the same category. And, and you see, too, in the rankings that they're always hovering in that 20 to 30 range. Delaware looking to crack the top 20 in this week's ranking. Then you have five UNLV taking on either Calvin or Iowa State. Herm, I would be shocked if we saw Iowa State in the tournament. I mean, they... They have a tough schedule coming up here, and it seems like every week we talk about how tough their schedule is, and they seem to be just kind of hanging in there. Do you think that's a team that we see down the road? I think it's just got to be a coin flip at this point, honestly. I don't know. I got I to gotta look at their schedule to see who they've got remaining. And the tough, the toughest thing, too, is they just don't have, and maybe this favors them in the rankings, but they don't have as many games as everybody else. So their games mean that much more because, you know, this is their first season back as a program, so they weren't able to schedule as many games. So certain, something to keep an eye on down the stretch. And then the last couple of matchups, we would have Maryville versus the winner of Purdue Northwest and Westchester. You'd have number seven, Ohio versus the winner of you, Mary IUP. And then you'd have number eight Liberty versus the winner of Niagara and Oswego. Imagine if we got an old national rivalry in the national tournament between Niagara and Oswego, that would be a fun one. Iowa state's got Ohio coming up the week after this one. If they're able to squeak out a point, I think that guarantees them a spot in nationals. People might think I'm crazy for talking about how badly I wanted Q's to get Get one at Liberty, but like that would have done the same thing for them. Like, will you, if you're an unranked team and you can get a quality win against an opponent like that, it, it shoots you up the rankings. And I, I totally agree with you, Herm. If they were able to find a way to get a point against Ohio, well, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in Missouri at the end of the year. So that's our national tournament preview. And I'm sure the ACHA will do that a couple more times before the season ends. And of course, we had some issues last week, wanted to have Ryan Devine on, and we recorded the full interview. We had some issues on the back end that were out of our control. And so he's being a good enough sport, and we're going to redo this whole thing. If the interview is just as good as the first one, we are in for a treat. But this is Ryan Devine from the Kansas City Mavericks of the ECHL. He is the tough guy on the team this year. His journey his hockey journey from playing Division Three ACHA at Westchester all the way to the ECHL is something else. So we'll turn over our interview with Ryan, our guy Devo. And as always, this one's brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at OptimexSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod the perfect way to bring revenue for your team this season is through ticket sales and you can do that through your optimx website so be sure to check them out optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod and now for this week's guest ryan divine of the kansas city mavericks 
We're pleased to be joined by former ACHA M3 Westchester University player, the most recent winner of Ice Wars and current enforcer for the first place Kansas City Mavericks of the ECHL. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ryan Devine. Devo, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Wow. Devo. I, I don't hear that except from teammates, so it's love that. But yeah, that intro, spot on and best I've had of all the podcasts so far, so I appreciate that. Well, it feels like you're a teammate at this point, and we can kind of call you a friend of the pod because of the amount of uh, times we've interacted the last couple of weeks trying to get you on. People listening to this will know that we, we introed you into the episode talking about how we had some issues recording last week. So this is round two for us in the last seven days. So it's a pleasure to have you back on. And hopefully this time the folks at home will get to hear your full story because you have had a, a heck of a journey in the hockey career. Walk us through We'll get to what's going on in the ECHL right now, but walk us through your hockey journey. Where did you grow up playing hockey? How did you get into the game? Long story short, I don't think there is a short version. We weren't a hockey family. Dad played football and lacrosse. One winter in about, I think, 1990. Two guys from the Broad Street Bullies come and knock on my dad's door. And my mom answered. My dad heard, you know, two older gentlemen. And he got up. And as soon as he saw them, he knew exactly who they were. Guys that played on the on the on the Philadelphia Flyers in the Broad Street era in the 70s. They were asking if they could skate on our creek in the backyard. So asked if my brother could come along. Fell in love right then and there. So they hooked us up with Jim Watson out of Iceworks in PA. Started off with the Little Flyers and then played Quakers, double-A hockey, played junior uh, Minutemen, then junior Flyers, played Pee Wee Quebec. Hit some growing pains going into high school. So I just played high school hockey. So, you know, once a week, hockey, soccer, and tennis. My brother toured up at Westchester, led the league in points all three years he was there. When it was time to go to college, I kind of just followed his footsteps, you know. So the coach was like, hey, you just need to get a 1500 on the SATs. Got it in the first try. Pretty awesome. Didn't have to take any prep classes or retake retake the the test so went to westchester didn't make it my first year they were pretty good they had a lot of guys coming from comcast and junior flyers and i was still only 6 one 170 pounds still so didn't make it my freshman year so i played d3 but i also played d3 soccer too so the club team both teams we ended up winning the league so it was awesome you had the hockey house on fridays the soccer house on saturdays and then uh sophomore year my brothers call me and i'm in the library chasing some chick he's call me go where the hell are you why aren't you why aren't you at the tryouts and i go bro my name wasn't on the list like i, I didn't make d1 again he's like well the coach just called me. he's asking where you are and i was like do i go and he's like no nah, it's too late now they don't want you so we went from the the division three club team to the division two club my sophomore year so 2011 12 it was like christmas break and a kid that i played high school with was playing uh, juniors out in the minnesota junior league and i hit a growth spurt so i'm like now six four 200 pounds and the game just got easier and i didn't want to be a gym teacher anymore so my dad for the first time ever was like yeah f school go go uh give hockey a shot so i was like oh my god i'm, I'm doing this so Went out there. They put me on forward. I'm playing on the top line, protecting a 16-year-old kid and a 17-year-old kid. And I'm 19. And I'm like, what's going on here? We're up 7-2. to This kid's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, His name is Forrest Callahan. He's like, hey, my team wants me to fight you. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah. And I was like, all right, sure. My mom was recording one of the very first ever touchscreen like, uh, computers. It's so like blurry. And it's horrible quality. You just hear the announcer just counting. He's going 10, 11, 12, 13. And the kid finally went down. And 
and I'm in the penalty box just shaking. And I'm like, oh my God. And never looked back. And the next year got cut from the null at 20 years old for a six foot seven kid. Ended up doing nothing with his hockey career. I went out and played in Southern Oregon, the Western States Hockey League, which is now like the USPHL. That's where I met one of my best friends, was in his wedding. We played the year before in Minnesota. I followed him to Western States after I got cut from the null. How and- wild is that Western States League? Like, you know, it's, it's a little different now, a little less physical, probably less fighting. But back then, it seemed like it was a jungle. Yeah, it was a jungle. But it was cool playing in places like uh, the Mustangs. Where is that? Utah? Ogden Mustangs. That was so cool because that was an Olympic rink. There was like the early 2000s or something like that. You know, the mountains coming through the rink and the off the, the sun coming off the mountains into the rink. It's where Weber State plays. Going up to Seattle, those are always just just fun trips. Nine hours on a coach bus wasn't fun, but playing in the in between a mountain and a volcano, and then you have the valley in Southern Oregon. And Friday nights it was football, but once football was over, like we packed this place. It was called the Madhouse. That was some of my best memories. From there, committed to Worcester State. I was dating someone at UConn. Her parents surprised me, like, "Hey, Worcester's down the road. We're going there." We show up, called the coach, texted the coach, called the assistant coach. I verbally committed. So, you know, they're expecting I still have to uh, apply and everything, but they're going to get me in. Right. And um, ghosted. So take a tour myself. It looked like an abandoned like school from like the 1960s. Went to like went and toured like this gym facility. Everything was just so old and run down. And we go to the rink. Uh, It's dark. It's not very warm at all. These wooden bleachers that pull out, like it's just not what you think of D3 hockey. So they play at one of those. Uh, I don't know if they still, I, I think they've, yeah. they've built a new rink in Worcester now that the ECHL team is there, but they used to play at one of these uh, FMC rinks, which was basically like the state built all these rinks in the seventies, you know, after Bobby Orr made hockey really popular in new England, every one of them was the same. They had like bleachers in all four corners, very short roof, not an exciting place to play hockey. That sounds like a fed rink. Yeah. It was basically like a fed rink that I played in uh, a couple of years later, but yeah, so I wasn't happy. Things happened for a reason. Cause literally I think two or three days later, I had this coach call me from Toronto and this league I never heard of called the GMHL. And he goes, hey, come here. Uh, I promise I'll get you in the CHL next year for either the Brampton Beast or the Tulsa Oilers. I used to play for the coach in Tulsa. And he, I'm like a son to him. I have 142 pims. I also had 85 points, I believe. We talked about this last time. I think it was like 25 goals, 55 assists, something like that. Yeah, dead on. 25 goals, 55 assists, 80 points, 142 pims. 142 pens in 35 games. 39. You played a couple 39, more. 39. 39. So I would get like two points or something like that. Our team was pretty good. We lost in the semis, but I would get like two, three points and I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm not standing around anymore. I'm just, I'm going to fight someone. So season ends, calling my coach, texting him. Hey, like we went to a practice in, in, in Brampton to watch the Tulsa Oilers in like a morning skate. Didn't meet the coach. Still holding on to my coach's promise that I'm going to join the team at the end of the year. Season ends. He's nowhere to be found. The assistant coach doesn't know where he is. Turns out he got arrested. Something to do with money. And then just like that, like with Worcester, a couple days later, this coach called me. This season ends. The next day, I can't find him. The coach in Watertown and the Fed calls me. So he's like, hey, we got 10 games left. You play your 10 games. We go into playoffs. Um, We're making a push. I get there. There's nine games left. But one game is supposed to be rescheduled. So I play in the eighth game. And then the ninth game, um, they're like, hey, uh, so that game's not getting rescheduled. They're just canceling it. So I have to end up going home. Go home next season. I go to Reading Royals camp in the ECHL. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Now I'm going to the coast. Like, it's all going to happen. 
day one, pretty, pretty nervous. One of eight defensemen. Second day, felt pretty great. Come off the ice. Nine guys, maybe 10 guys came down from Worcester Sharks, Hershey Bears, and Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Eight of those guys were defensemen. Every single defenseman that was there, gone. Talking to the coach and he's like, hey, uh, let me know if I can help you out with anything. I was like, yeah, I played in the Fed last year. Like, where do you think I should go? Like, should I go to the SB? He goes, oh, I know the coach in uh, Danbury. Go there. So I go there, get a concussion like three weeks in. I'm at a point per game. I'm done for almost the whole year. I had some little guy leave his feet. I had a pretty bad concussion, came back towards the end of the year. I'm in a long-term relationship with this girl. She lives down in Atlanta. I'm making 175 bucks a week. I'm going into my last season. I tried out for the Atlanta Gladiators. Had a great week there. Got cut, went to the Columbus Cottonmouths in the SP. And it was like a country club. If you didn't, if you didn't play D3 with somebody there, or if you weren't like one of the Canadian guys, if you were just a, some random that made it out of main camp, it was hard making the team. And I was probably number five out of seven defensemen. One of them being the captain who was, wasn't great. Coach gave me some bullshit, cut me from the SP. I called, I called Danbury back and I was like, Hey, I just got cut from the SP. Uh, you want me back in Danbury? What's up? You have my rights. Coach ghosted me. I called the assistant coach. He's like, yeah, we'll get back to you. Called him again. Like a week later, I'm staying in Atlanta. He's like, yeah, we're all set. Appreciate it. So I go to Port Huron and I'm beating Danbury in the finals, which was awesome. Was making 200 that year. Yeah. Big pay raise, right? 25% bump. And uh, you got to be careful with $200 in Port Huron, Michigan. There's this diner on the water in Port Huron, like one of those old school diners that you see in the movies. Two pieces of toast, bacon, hash browns, $2.50. That's how we survived. It was unbelievable, too. Unbelievable breakfast every single day. It was cheaper eating out there and just giving them a $5 bill than actually getting groceries. So that's how we survived in the Fed back in uh, 2015. Ended up winning it. My girlfriend kind of forced me to retire, which was okay. I was, I was, you know, the 200 bucks a week wasn't cutting it. So I got into real estate in Atlanta for about six months. Had a sale in a townhome, sitting on like $4,000. Everything was great. You know, her mom was paying our rent, was paying my phone bill. I had, I had nothing to do other than pay for gas. So gas and food. She was pretty unhappy because I was pretty active in real estate. She's like, I got a makeup gig in New York. So I'm like, listen, my only friend here is your cousin. So I'm not staying in Atlanta. So it's like, I'm from Philly. Like we can go to back and forth to Philly, New York. And uh, we go to New York City. I'm just tearing up Broadway with my rollerblades. I'm going to every single Lululemon. I find a guy who's friends with Chris Kreider and he goes, Hey, I, I have a friend who's opening up a, a flywheel over in uh, Williamsburg. I go, well, what the hell is Williamsburg and what the hell is flywheel? And Williamsburg's a little hippie little town, right? If you take the L train, it's right over in Brooklyn. So I'll ro I rollerbladed over there. Flywheel, for those who don't know, is an indoor like spin cycling studio. The lights are off. You have like scores up on the screen. You can see like who's ahead of you and you can turn up your torque and your resistance, whatever. And it was actually a pretty fun workout. I fell in love. And then I found out how much instructors made. So I'm teaching spin at Flywheel. I get poached to go to Soul Cycle. So I'm teaching at Soul Cycle for a while. Ended up getting canned. I don't know if I can tell that story out here. Why? It's a little bit of a long story. Rents 1500 bucks in New York City. I'm sitting on like 2300 left in my account. I hit up one of my old captains that I want to import here on with. He goes, yeah, man, uh, we're, uh, we're in like first place right now in Elmira. So I look up on my, it's four hours away. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be paying $1,500 a month. I was working for the blue crew with the New York Rangers shoveling snow. Tell the story about the first time you were shoveling for the blue yeah. crew. So I was teaching spin in the morning, 
one or two classes, would come home, eat 99 cent pizza, go to bed, wake up, work out, go to Madison Square Garden, get free uh, free cafeteria food with we would share with like the media people. It's my very first game. It's a preseason game with the Rangers and the Islanders, right? Some reporter, oh no, big dude, he looked important. And I'm asking like the elevator guy who's standing there, you know, checking badges to go in the elevator. And he's telling me where to go. And this guy comes right over and he sees me carrying my skates and I'm decked out in Lululemon, obviously. And as every hockey player is, right? He goes, oh, I know where he's going. I got him. So I'm talking to this guy, you know, we're going up one or two flights from street level. So it's like, it's not a long ride. He's like, oh, where are you from? From Philly. Cool. Is this your first game? Yeah, it's my first game in Madison Square Garden. Never been here before. Like just shooting the shit for 10 seconds. This dude full on thinks I'm a player. We passed the blue crew room. Everyone sees me. They're like, hey, isn't that like the guy that played, you know, my, like single A pro hockey? Like, where's he going? I'm, and I'm just following this guy. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's, you know, that's the room. Where's this guy taking me? He takes me down the hallway with all the pollsters, like Jimmy Buffett, sell out, Elton John, sell out, Elvis, sell out, everyone that's sold out in MSG, right? We're getting back to the locker rooms and I see John Tavares. He goes, so what team are you on? You on Islanders or the Rangers? And I go, ah, yeah, I'm a shoveler for the blue crew. He goes, Get out of here. What are you doing? I was like, nice to meet you, though. <laughs> Just turned back. and You were 30 seconds away from that being the start of a Disney movie. I was four seconds away from picking a stall and just getting my gitch on and (laughs) just taking whoever's. And if someone wanted to fight me, I would have done it. Like, hey, let's go. You're going to have to fight me for this gear. I'm putting it on. What was that transition like leaving New York and going to Elmira and jumping back into pro hockey? Pretty damn easy. If you've ever played men's league in New York City, Chelsea Piers has a pretty damn good A-league. You're playing the New York Fire Department who have four lines two coaches. They all have bags, helmets, stickers. They're sponsored. They've all got sticks, gloves, pants, two goalies. They have a backup goalie for men's league at 11 o'clock at night, right? The NYPD, they're always tough. I think the fire department has more skill. Some of these cops have to cut their their jersey just to get it over their head because their fucking necks are just huge. And that game's been yeah. getting ramped up every year now because of what Chicklets yeah. is doing. Like yeah. Those guys are going and, balls to the wall. Yeah. But we've got guys like, you know, working in finance that were playing Division One at Alaska Anchorage last year, the, the starting goalie. We had a guy on our on my team also at BU, like two guys that played Penn State. So I'm teaching spin, right? Like some there's there was one day I had five classes in one day. I went from playing at 215, 220 to teaching spin, losing so much weight, trying to work out just to gain it all back. And I, I'm pretty damn strong, but I'm also very light. So I'm about like 175, 180. My mom, my mom hated it. She is like, you're sick. Like when I came home, she would wake me up and be like, here and give me like two packets of oatmeal and a cup of fruit and a protein shake and like send me back to bed over, over like Christmas break and stuff. It was bad. I go back to the fed. I'm 40 pounds lighter than I'm used to. I'm flying. I'm out there like haven't played in two and a half years professionally. And I had like a point and a half per game. I didn't score, but I think I had uh, I had a few assists in four games. Had a fight after eight days. I get caught up to the SP. Two and a half years in the Fed, nothing. 
I found out later on that a coach, when I went to Pensacola finally from Elmira, I go to Pensacola. I have a buddy reach out to me, Drew Baker, and he goes, hey, are you you playing again? Oh, yeah. Had to leave New York City. Uh, just finishing the year. And he goes, well, do you want to go to Pensacola? They only have 3D. So I'm like, hell yeah. I go there, finish the year. We only have 5D. I get there. They were 9, 18, and like 1. We finished the year 23, 22, and like 3. So he completely flipped the script, had a great year. Now I got to ask, as, as a tougher guy, if you're only playing with 5D, are you like trying to stay out of trouble because you're getting so many minutes at that point? I, ne- I never got suspended. I only had maybe five fights. So five times we're playing with 4D, which was fine because we also brought in a defenseman that had been suspended for two years. Because if, if you look up Jason Price, he fired a puck into the away bench in Huntsville. And it hit the back, hit the back of the uh, glass of the bench, and hit like the trainer in the ear. He wanted to sue and everything, so the league just kicked him out of the league. Two years later, he comes back. Him and I are the two guys that they bring into Knoxville. Uh, flipped the script that year, and uh, we went on a tear. Ended up losing to Huntsville in the playoffs, who ended up winning it all. So, is what it is. But go back the next year. Coach had some guys coming in from the coast and stuff like that. So I go to Macon. We start off the year like two and ten. We're not scoring goals. We're getting scored on a lot. I'm one of like the better defensemen, but my coach wanted me. You know, he brought me in to fight. I start fighting guys. I get a couple minors a game, maybe. We're we're terrible. I'm chasing guys around in my own zone. Like there was just no structure going on. This team Quad City though was trying to trade for me. I told the coach I wasn't having fun anymore. Like I might go home. This coach is a year older than me. We're going. Uh, we lost ten to two to Evansville. It wasn't fun. And I just told him I wasn't having fun, right? And sits on, and he's like, hey, we'll talk when we get back to Georgia. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk on Monday. Never talked. Friday comes. He releases me. The captain of Quad City is like, yo, why did they release you? Like, you were playing heavy minutes. I was like, buddy, I, I, I don't know. Which is funny because I just played against that same buddy this last weekend. I had to wait 24 hours, so I didn't play on Friday when they played against Quad City. I get there Saturday, talk to the coach, and he goes, he goes, hey, who's this guy? I tried training for you like two weeks ago. And the guy fell asleep on the phone. I called him back. He just didn't answer. I think he was too embarrassed to admit that I heard him that because I could hear him snoring on the phone. I was like, hey, you know, it all worked out. Go to Quad City. Two months later, boom, COVID. I wanted to retire at like 28. COVID happens. I come back home, live with my sister, go to my mom's, go to my brother's. And at that time, a year passes. We're all training in Philly. There is no NHL. The first and second year guys from the NHL are going to the AHL. And half the AHL isn't playing. They don't even have playoffs. All of those first and second year rookies are all playing in the coast, which only half of the coast is playing. So all those guys that don't have jobs in the coast are going to the yes bay. And so I have no job. I'm pushing pucks. We're all just like, what the hell are we doing? So I'm, I'm pushing pucks, doing a couple lessons here and there for my nephew, trying to make some cash. This guy whose agency sponsored the rink we were skating at. The manager calls me and goes, hey, this agent's coming in of you know, our PNY Sports. He's coming to look at, look at Ryan Lowen, who's an AHL guy with the Lightning. He wants to look at some of the guys. And uh, so it's just me and this guy, Ryan Lowen. We're passing back and forth. We're skating, shooting pucks. Talk to the guy. It was great. He goes, hey, I don't have a fighter. So maybe a couple weeks goes by. He reaches out to me and goes, hey, this team in Slovakia, they need a fighter. And I go, you have overseas connection. He goes, well, I'm starting a partnership with this agency in, in Slovakia, in Trenchin. And their tough guy, their captain, broke his leg. He's out for the year. Um, they're looking for a tough guy. They want to. Do you have any videos I can send them? So I send them all my like my top five fights, and they go, they're interested. And I go, how much? And they go, thirty five hundred a month cash. And I go, I used to make eight hundred k 
cash, 3,500 um, in cash. Okay. What about flight to and from? Boom. Okay. I'm on my way. Time of my life over there is crazy. It was COVID, but the views I got, I was, I was lucky enough to play in like seven games. The ice is so much bigger. The kids, the younger kids are faster. The older guys have 10 years KHL experience. I was, I was stuck right in the middle, but I played some games. It was COVID, but I'm living downtown where this beautiful castle is. Again, I'll send you the pics for this stuff. This castle, that's 1300 years old. So over 1300, something like that. I'm having a time in my life over there. Come back. Slovakia, the top league is kind of like AHL, ECHL. So I'm like, okay, I can't retire now. Like my resume just took a huge uh, bump up, upgrade here. So still don't have an agent though. I'm wondering why, like I'm not getting coast trust, stuff like that. I work my way from the Fed to the SP to the coast. I get there, you know, they have guys coming back. I go back to the SP, shit show. Sewage is coming up into the locker room. Yeah, we got to um, talk about this because we forgot to talk about this last time you were on. You you played for the Bobcats. Wasn't that the yeah. team that had like the terrible owner and they didn't even show up for a home game? Yeah, the owner had a drug problem, slept with at least one of my teammates that I, I know of, was paying for my buddy's phone bill, gave him an engagement ring for his girlfriend out there now. They, he just had a kid, all this stuff. The next year... After I, I won a ring in, in Watertown, because I, I left the SP, go to Watertown, win another championship. So I got two Fed rings, and the coach goes to Knoxville. I follow him. Um, Vermilion County is folding. Half the team signs a petition. They don't show up. They play against Quad City. Quad City lines up. They take warm-ups and everything. They line up for the face-off, and then they blow the whistle. They cancel the game. Quad City wins. My buddy does like a dagger at center ice with his stick. It goes viral. The Quad City boys stuck around and skated with the fans after the game too because it was yes. supposed to be like skating yeah. with the Bobcats. Yeah, yeah, they skated with Bobcat fans after the game. The league forcefully closed the doors on the Bobcats. She tries suing the league apparently. I'm not saying that she did. I'm saying apparently. I don't need her coming after me. But yeah, she was a photographer that fell in love and married a Fed guy. They break up. Her uh, dad kind of hired every police officer, every judge, everyone that worked in that town. So her her getting an SP team wasn't that hard. It just didn't work out. I, I don't know what exactly happened, but we had a, a Zamboni mat driver there, was clearly drunk, didn't have the mop down all the way. Water's just kind of trickling from it. The dude's pumping it. Our coach comes out and goes, dude, what the fuck? Like, do you know what you're doing? Nah. Guy has no idea. We can't practice. Like, it's a shit show. So the next year, uh, they folded halfway through. I bring my buddy to Knoxville. His phone just stops working. She's so salty that I brought him there. She's like, don't go there. He's not going to do anything for you. He's a fraud. Like, her and I just had a bad falling out when I left. I want to talk about your your second stint in Watertown, though, when you left Vermilion County, watching some of your fight clips, getting ready for this to talk to you. My favorite, one of my favorite ones is the one in Watertown where the the kid is swinging away from you and you're almost just like holding him out there laughing. Oh, yeah. And then you just swing with one and get him clean. Well, I grazed him. I got like the top of his forehead. I got like his visor. His helmet just goes flying. The guy's got no name bar. I don't know who the hell he is. We're winning by a bunch. It's Danbury. I'm kind of bored. And I look at this guy, I go, you want one? And he goes, yeah. So I look at the coach and I go, I go, hey. And they go, yeah, you know, do what you want. We're, we're up 5-1 or something. So I go, okay. 
we uh, line up at center and I'm just like looking at him and I'll send you the picture of this. I'm just looking at him like a death stare. You can see both my wrists are taped and I'm, I'm not happy. I'm back in the fed. Right. I'm just glaring at this kid smiling. I'm like, Oh buddy, you're fucked. Like, like, come on, come here. And he comes in like this, like so slowly, like I'm going to let him grab me. So I just let him grab me and I'm just holding him. I'm holding him away like this. And I'm looking and he's, he's just going like this, like trying to reach me. I'm looking at my coach, looking at this kid and they're like, swing, like, what are you doing? Like, and I go, all right. And I just swung and he was coming in for one and he saw my swing and started to duck. And he's so lucky he ducked because I blew his helmet up. Yeah, that was a really cool picture. I used I used that for like my intro for uh, when I did Ice Wars, which you got to talk about too. There's another fight I want to talk about before we get to Ice Wars to, to match yeah. up with the timeline. We talked about this one a bunch last time too, but the fight that you got in wearing the Ninja Turtle jersey, was that, oh, yeah. was that Penis, uh, was Quad that Quad City? City? Quad, Quad City. City. Yeah, that was, yeah, right that was before, another really good right one. Before COVID. Long story short, I found out the next day after that fight, one of the fans is like, oh, so you feel good about getting him back? And I go, what are you talking about? They're like, that's the guy that high sticked you and gave you seven stitches right here. Can't see it. My lip. You see a really bad pixelated video, but uh, it's on my Instagram. Yeah, so it's Nickelodeon night in Quad City and we're playing uh, Evansville. This guy, Zane Jones, good dude. He gets points too, but he's he's big and he's he's running some of my guys and I call him out. We drop the gloves. I'm wearing a Ninja Turtle jersey and socks, which I still have. They're sick. Love wearing Ninja Turtle socks to like practice with junior kids. Oh, like, those are going to be those. so good. So good in men's league in a couple years yeah. when you're rocking. Oh, I have all my socks. Harry Potter night, Margarita, SpongeBob. I keep them all. So he comes in and hits me with a jab and he like hits me in the nose and I'm like, oh, buddy, you should have grabbed that because not now you're fucked. He came in with like the right, and I was like, okay, you're righty. Okay, watch this. And I grabbed him righty, swung, switch, and I just started going on him lefty. And he didn't know what to do, and he's swinging around, and you can see his feet up in the air like this. <laughs> that was a pretty cool fight. Got him with a left. I had a fan make like a quad photo, like a picture frame with four pictures in it from that fight of me selling and like hitting him with that uppercut and then the follow through. They're like, did it feel good to get him back? And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, that's the guy that hit you with the high stick with those stitches. And I was like, oh shit. Like, I didn't know it was him because we were both on different teams. Yeah, then COVID hit and uh, didn't want to retire that way, so. You had a bunch of Quad City merch come out too because there were some sick photos of yeah, the Captain yeah, America last, stuff. Last coolest jerseys, I would say. Margarita Night in Pensacola was sweet with the palm trees and they were like light blue and white. But then like we had the dark pants and helmet and gloves. So it looked sick. The Marvel Night because we had, it was so confusing. The other teams wearing white. I got teammates wearing all black for, for Black Panther, red and blue for Superman, all black for Batman. And then I was wearing Captain America, which is red and blue. So it's black and red and blue versus white. It looked like a men's league game out there. So I get a pass. I walk the blue line. I use my buddy, actually, who's a coach in the Fed right now for the Binghamton Black Bears. Use him as a screen. Go back bar. I'm wearing Captain America. What do I do? I go down to one knee and I do like the shield thing and they got a great picture of it. I bought a t-shirt press machine. I bought all these shirts, bought the double-sided like print paper. I sold like 200 shirts and made out pretty well during COVID. Post-COVID, talk to us about how you got into Ice Wars and then how that kind of propelled you to signing in the ECHL. After last year in the SP, my buddy, who's actually on Idaho right now, he is like, bro, you need an agent. My agent my agent wants you. He'll get you in the call. So I was like, all right, we'll talk. He sent me a bunch of teams that were interested. I told him, you know, 
There was a couple I wasn't interested in, but uh, I'm curious about these teams. I've heard about these places. I told him about Kansas City because my buddy who I brought to Knoxville last year, he used to play in Kansas City and he does camps with the assistant coach here. They go up to Rapid City and Minnesota and down here in Kansas City. They go all over and do these like week-long camps. And he goes, you know, poor. It's like, who's the toughest defenseman? Like who, who's someone gritty that is really hard to play against in the league? And he goes, oh, that's... My buddy Devo, he's like, you got to sign him. So they reached out to me. I talked to my agent and he's like, yeah, Kansas City's a great place. I forgot that the guy who I skate with this in the summer, he was the captain here for like three years. And I talked to him and he was like, man, I've played against every team in the league. I'm a little biased because I played in Kansas City, but it's the best place to play. The rink is across the street. The apartments are 0.3 miles away. We don't have to go anywhere for the gym. We've got a huge gym here, yoga room and all that. We've got a 365 days a year hot tub down there with a huge flat screen. That's all outdoor, but you know, you're in a hot tub. So all this stuff is great. I had some offers to go like in the South division, but my buddy's like, Hey, like guys that are in the AHL that are suitcases that have families and stuff like that, that just want to play, they'll go to Florida. It's going to be tougher for you. When I found out the coach here played 13 years in the, in the ECHL and CA, was a former defenseman of the year. I was like, man, like I haven't had a defenseman as an assistant coach in a very long time. Like this is a huge opportunity. And uh, I told them like, listen, can you give me till after ice wars? And they're like, oh yeah, what's this ice wars thing? And I told them about it. I was like, yeah, the guy who won it last year was $10,000. The guy who won the last one, I kind of whooped his butt the year before. Everyone's got to pay bills. I asked the guy who I beat up last year. I was like, this ice wars thing. He's like, yeah, man, you should do it. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, let me know what I got to do. Month later, I see stuff popping up on Instagram for it. I'm like, hey, man, like, I haven't heard anything. Am I supposed to talk to someone? He goes, oh, yeah, you're still interested. And I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, well, there's a wait list now. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I was like, all right. The next day, I get a text from John uh, Nasty Morasty, the guy who's in Shorzy. I would say, if not the toughest, one of the toughest and nail guns to ever fight in the minor leagues you can just look up john morasti and he's fighting guys a foot taller than him and just eating punches the dude's neck is like he looks like a lineman i'm like all giddy i'm like oh my god i'm talking to nasty morasti right now and he's like hey i got a spot if, if you're interested and i was like crap all right i am but i gotta talk to my dad my dad gives me every reason not to do it you're one punch away from sipping through a straw the rest of your life what if this this and that and i go you know what that my whole life's been what ifs like i left college to pursue playing hockey i'm a fighter that's what i like to do this is a nice little pot and uh, i committed to it and uh two months later uh it wasn't 10k it was only 5k which was an extra $1,000 bonus because I had fight of the night and knockout of the night, which was a TKO in the finals. First fight was pretty tough. Second two were kind of a cakewalk. But uh, yeah, if you uh, if you tune in again next week, uh, we're playing Fort Wayne, who just signed uh, Daniel Diamond Hands Amesbury. Pretty big on social media. I'm sure everyone who listens to this pod has had to heard of this guy. Him and I, uh, we've never really talked. He's tagged me and he's commented on something of mine on social media. You know, we just chirp each other. People always asking about me. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'm not a point guy. I police the game. I don't, I don't go out there just looking for fights to make sure my, you know, my small guys can do what they got to do for in order for us to win games. But this guy's out there hurting, dude. He just got kicked out of the Fed indefinitely. Pretty sure he signed it Fort Wayne because he wants to go with me. So you turn in next next Wednesday. I don't know when this drops, but this will drop on Friday. 
And Wednesday, we'll February seventh, right. we'll get it circled because it's it's funny when we we mentioned that this is the second time we've done the interview. But one of the questions I had on the first time around was if you had ever fought him before, because I feel like you guys have been in the pros for a while now and just haven't overlapped. Yeah, no, he used to fight in this league like ten years ago, but then uh, he disappeared for like ten years. He grew up fighting bare knuckle as a kid and stuff like that. So he's a good fighter. I'll give it to him, but he's dominating guys in the fed, which I did too, which we got to talk about the comparison of the fed to the SP, to the ECHL. Each level is bigger, faster, stronger, higher IQ, better hands, everything. You're fighting guys that you wouldn't even look at in men's league. Be like, yo, you're, you're some junior plug, like get out of here. I, I would, I would eat you. That's like kind of like what you're playing against in the feds. The SP, you had a little bit better skater. So fights were a little bit more strategic, I'd say. Or guys will actually throw bombs. There's some tough guys. Nothing compares so far to the guys I've had to fight in the coast. Every fight's a battle. Next Wednesday, coming up against uh, Fort Wayne will by far be my toughest bout. And hopefully for him too. We'll see who comes out on top. But you got Ice Wars 1 champion versus Ice Wars 3 champion. I think that will be uh, one for the history books. Well, we're looking forward to it, and um, I'm bummed we have to cut this short because we got to get down here. But Devo, we're gonna have to have you on again. I mean, we didn't even get to half of the stories that you have in your hockey career. So hopefully, we can have you on maybe later in the season or maybe after the season. You can kind of debrief your year in the ECHL and uh, love following your journey. And, and it's crazy. Not too long ago, you were just one of us battling it out in the ACHA, and then retired, and then came back, and now I'm trying to play as high as level as I can because uh, I'm trying to be a ref in the NHL. So once that happens, you'll have definitely have to have me back on the pot acha to the show breaking up fights starting fights to breaking up fights thanks again for joining us and uh wish you the best of luck the rest of the way yeah thanks for having me tune in february 7th flow sports gotta gotta download flow sports it should be a good one Once again, shout out to Devo for battling the tech issues with us and coming back for another interview. Awesome guy, awesome story in in the hockey world. So I want to congratulate him on everything that he's accomplished so far and and a heck of a pro hockey career so far. So thanks again, Devo. And we'll turn it over. We won't start with our burgers this week. We will have a special edition of Stick Taps. Want to give a shout out to ACHA Women's Division II Assistant Commissioner Sarah Barshap, newly elected, and she's been doing great things along time uh, player at Villanova for their women's hockey program, friend of the pod, you know, Collins, you know, you know her, you've seen the work that she does really no surprise here that she's moving up the ranks in the the ACHA uh, leadership positions. Yeah, it's not a surprise at all. I mean, she is absolutely just such a team player, works her butt off. I mean, the first time we ever talked about her on the pod was the 2021-22 National Championships. They didn't have their goalies because both were studying abroad. She stepped up and gotten net for the first time. So she is just the absolute best. I look forward to seeing her in St. Louis. I mean, she has a bright, bright future. She's already a uh, NHL trader for FanDuel. I see her one day making her way to the NHL or some other league, other big four league, and really making a big impact there. She is uh, awesome, and I am incredibly proud of her and Villanova Hockey both men's and women's programs are incredibly proud of her. Yeah, she will work closely with ACHA Women's Division II Commissioner Taylor Hadley, supporting various aspects of the division's administrative operations, as well as collaborating on initiatives for growing the game. You mentioned that she's a team player. She won the annual ACHA Women's Division II Off-Ice MVP Award in 2023 
for her work that she did with the Villanova women's hockey team. Also want to give a shout out to the Colorado School of Mines for pouring it on this weekend against Western Colorado, outshooting them 156 to 24 in a two game series. And then shout out to Shane Haggerty for hitting 200 career points with Grand Valley State over the weekend. Let's go over to the burgers of the week. We had a huge burger in ACHA M1 action, actually the biggest burger we've had all year in the top level of non-varsity college hockey in the U.S. Purdue Northwest 18, Oakland 0. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Oakland, a, a team that was once a powerhouse in the ACHA. We had former coach Sean Hogan on the podcast at one point talking about the glory days of college hockey in Detroit, but times have changed and it's the new kids on the block, Purdue Northwest, pouring it on with an 18 to nothing win. I think the final on Saturday was 8 nothing. PNW, but we also had an, an M3 action sticking with Michigan. Hope beat Davenport 14 to 1. And then we had Bates beating Colby Sawyer 11 to nothing. Throw it over to our games to watch this weekend. We kick things off on Friday night. In ACHA M2, we have University of Michigan taking on Ohio State. We also have an M1. This is going to be a really good one. UNLV taking on UCO. We talked about before the show, these two teams oddly don't play each other that much, and they seem to be two of the better teams out west in the ACHA. Playing in the same conference, they will go toe-to-toe at CNA this weekend, City National Arena in Vegas. The Golden Knights practice facility that is the home of the UNLV skating rebels but number five UNLV taking on number three UCO this should be a good one in M3 action on Friday we have Hope taking on Grand Valley State number five Hope making some traction in the rankings facing off against the number one team Grand Valley State University and then we also have Texas taking on Texas A&M in M2 action and then in AAU Tampa taking on Tampa's D2 team taking on D3 opponent Florida Southern Florida Southern off to a really great start a tall task though taking on a tough Tampa D2 team Saturday, we have Delaware taking on Pitt at Fred Rust Arena. Delaware has been making some noise. They are looking to make some ground in the rankings. Pitt at 14, probably not as high as they want to be, and Delaware looking to move up as well. So this should be a really good one. Maybe not two rivals, but two teams certainly in an Eshel that is going to be anyone's race at the end of the season. Points that mean a lot at this point in the year. So keep an eye on that one from Fred Rust Arena. In AAU D2, we have Penn State Harrisburg taking on Kutztown, a big Pennsylvania rival we head to new york for marist taking on siena no matter how good these two teams are they always get up for each other and it seems to be a feisty one as always they met earlier in the year sticking with acha m1 we have university of colorado taking on university of oklahoma this one will be at cu at the boulder rec center two teams sitting on the bubble we talked about them in the acha m1 rankings earlier in the show sunday we have tcu taking on baylor saturday central michigan taking on ohio state and women's two action Sunday, we have University of Virginia taking on Virginia Tech in women's two. Another good one. Plenty of good ones in women's two this weekend. Friday night, University of Penn taking on Villanova. We talked about Villanova women's hockey just now. Good to see them getting some love in the games to watch this weekend. And then a team we've talked a lot about in recent weeks, St. Bonaventure taking on Binghamton. Two teams in Central New York going toe-to-toe with each other in AAU D1 action. And then Saturday night, Adrian women's one taking on University of Michigan. Can Michigan bounce? back after taking their first loss of the season before we get to the games of the week collins anything for you that stands out love to see villanova getting some love and and a bunch of women's two matchups like herm texas texas a&m is going to be on my list 
if Texas A&M wins, we're going to get some weird clips because that school is a cult. Yeah, obviously, Penn versus Villanova is 100% on my list. A little bit bitter from earlier in the year when we lost to Penn in the Big Five tournament with basketball. So that brings us to our game of the week this week. This is always a fun one. I think believe this is the second year in a row that they are doing this. These two teams play each other every year, but for the second straight year, they are going to head downtown in Cincinnati at the Heritage Bank Center. We're talking about University of Cincinnati taking on Xavier University in ACHA M2 action. Collins, you weren't here last week when we did pick, so we'll throw it over to you first. Who you got in this one? I am 100% going with the Bearcats. I think the Bearcats are going to have a sweep on the weekend. It looks like they've bounced back a bit after the little TikTok fiasco on the hot seat. We say that fiasco like it was a really big deal. It wasn't, you know, Xavier being another Big East school, I always got to root against them. So we're going with the Bearcats. Herm, I gave my pick first last week, so I'll throw it over to you this time around. Who are you going with in the, the battle at the bank? There's no real record advantage in this game. Both teams have struggled in the tee this season since he has had their spot on the hot seat and Xavier kind of deservedly so has has flown under the radar. I'm just going to give it to the home team on this one. I'm sure we're going to see some really good photos from Emily Christie. I'm sure the Cincy fans are going to pack the Heritage Bank Center for this game and it's going to power them to a win. I'm going to be honest. I was just glad this one got on there because when I recommended Georgia, Georgia Tech, Herm almost had a heart attack because of Georgia Tech's record. And then we we go to this game of the week and this, you know, two teams that have had really tough seasons, right? The best part about this is college sports. And no matter how bad of a season you are having, if you can beat your rival on the biggest stage downtown in Cincinnati, I think neither one of these teams will care about what, what their record is. That being said, as tough of a year as Cincinnati has had, Xavier has also had a very tough year. I'm trying to think about how to word this, but like I, I, I would go back to my point about like I think Cincinnati, they're throwing the Band-Aid on if they can just get a clean sweep over Xavier. I think if they stumble this weekend, it's like what is what is going on because uh, Xavier has had some really tough losses this year. So I am also rolling with Cincinnati. I think they need the momentum here to end the season on a high note, build some momentum, and then they, maybe they can start to forget about the first semester that they had because I think this team had high expectations. Uh, I will also be going with the Bearcats. Maybe, you know, they're talk of of Jason Kelsey going into retirement like maybe he'll pull his antics that he was doing in Buffalo the other night and he'll come down to Cincinnati for the Crosstown rivalry matchup so I'm also going Cincinnati I feel like we've we've got you know given both these teams a hard time already but I'm excited for this one again the best part about AAU and ACHA is the rivalry matchups everybody gets up for them doesn't matter the records it's Cincinnati Xavier and it's going down in downtown Cincinnati. And I believe Fitz is also rolling with the Bearcats, correct? Yep, he's going Cincinnati as well. So a clean sweep from Hockey House Pod this week. Question of the week this week in honor of Devo coming on the pod. We're going to talk enforcer stories. What is the best fight you've watched or participated on the ice in? Collins, I'll throw it over to you first. I'm curious what, what you have as a goalie. I'm assuming it's got to start with a goalie scrum, right? Or a, a scrum getting hacked out after the whistle? Yeah, kind of. When I was playing U16, same year, there were two fights. Best one I've ever watched was Tom Wilson versus the Rags. Like, that was a great fight. Him in the penalty box, jersey off, flexing. I know Herm absolutely loves that one. Back when I was in U16, I was playing for Tri-City Eagles down in Maryland. I come out and play the puck behind the net, and then I get steamrolled from behind. And the kid after was like, he's out of the crease. I can hit him. 
and no, you're not allowed to hit me, especially when you cross check me from behind. Yeah. And anyways, big scrum ensues. Punches are thrown. I mean, it's a U16 fight. It's not like it's a bunch of, you know, 200 pound college guys fighting each other. You know, typical U16 fight. Herm, you got called out a little bit there with Collins going with his his favorite fight as being a, a Tom Wilson fight against the Rangers. I'm curious, what what is your favorite hockey fight that you've ever seen? My favorite hockey fight, I got to make sure I have the date here, February 4th, 2017, Ohio versus Pitt, where a full line brawl erupts. And I'll, I'll throw the link in the chat for you guys to watch. It's a, it's a great, great clip. Full line brawl. One of the Ohio players skates the full length of the ice and just tackles one of the pit players from behind. Birds going nuts after a goal. Peak Ohio hockey. It was insane. I, I've seen this before with uh, different colored jerseys at Bird before. So, I mean, that is an all-time clip. It, it's crazy to me. Like, you can obviously tell in this video that, like, this has been building up in the game because it very quickly goes from nothing really happening on the ice to everybody is grabbing a guy. Yeah, when I say my jaw hit the floor when that Ohio player came out of nowhere and full spread eagles onto a guy, that's unreal. That that might be up there as top ACHA fights, along with that one Liberty fight from like 2015 that was really, really good. Yeah, that's a classic. When I think ACHA fights, I, I think back to that one last year at UCO in Colorado State. It's got to be up there and, and, and some of the best the ACHA has ever seen in terms of scraps. It's funny, as a kid, I loved going upstairs to the desktop that we had in our house and just watching hockeyfights.com like, was great. Just watching endless hockey fights. And it's funny because when I've been in person and watched hockey fights, I, I've talked about this before, I've never actually been in a fight. Like Maybe a, a scrum here and there, but never anything serious in my entire hockey career. And my all-time favorite clip is the Neil Little brawl. If you have not seen this, it is a brawl in the AHL way back when. It was the, the Philadelphia Phantoms and the Binghamton Senators, and there's a brawl at one end of the ice, and the other goalie is Neil Little, the goalie for the Phantoms. And just like this spread eagle in the Ohio clip that we just watched, Neil Little comes flying down to the ice and like a ski jumper jumps into the pile. And it is the most insane clip. I must have watched that a hundred times as a kid. So that that's one of my all-time favorite fight clips. We're just about done with the show here. Thank you so much for joining us again. Another great week in the ACHA and AAU college hockey. And as always, we'll bring you all the latest coverage. Make sure you're following along on social media at Hockey House Pod. And if you catch any good action get any good clips be sure to dm them to us the email is the hockeyhousepod at gmail.com we got the submission link for everything if you want to submit it plenty more jerseys coming out in the next couple weeks too we've seen awesome photos of that but again thank you so much for tuning in it's been an exciting year and we, we can't wait to wrap it up with you here in the next couple of weeks see you boys yeah.